With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space. My definition of self-care is doing what you need to do to show up as your favorite version of yourself. And then if we kind of narrow that down a little bit, a self-care practice is identifying and addressing your needs on a regular and routine basis. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey, lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California? and contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D.com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. All right, lady, we have a very special guest in Cultivating Her Space today. We're going to tell you a little bit about her, and then we're going to jump into this juicy conversation. G. Michelle Goodlow is a licensed clinical social worker and an experienced project manager dedicated to helping others develop healthy relationships with themselves and with others. She is the owner and psychotherapist of The Essence of Healing, LLC a private therapeutic practice based in Atlanta, Georgia, that provides individual and couples psychotherapy to adult residents in both Georgia and Illinois. Michelle is also the creator of the wellness resource website, gmichelle.com, which offers busy, caring people the opportunity to make self-care a practical part of their lives. She also facilitates interactive workshops for nonprofit and private organizations that experience challenges with addressing self-care, compassion fatigue, and professional burnout. Michelle, welcome to Cultivating Her Space. We are so excited to have you here. Yes, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to speak to y'all today. Yay! So we are going to jump right in with our quote of the day, which, Michelle, will sound really familiar to you because these are your words. We've been all up in your book, 
on your social media, all of it. Just because I can do it all doesn't mean I have to do it all. Yes. Yes. I'm going to just leave that right there. Right there. Michelle, when you wrote those words, what was the inspiration? Because I think about all the work that you do and the amazing things that you're encouraging us to do to take care of ourselves. What was the inspiration for this particular quote? So the inspiration behind that quote, and I even would view it as an affirmation, is really taking a good look at my professional life and seeing how much space it was taking in my entire life. And professional, I mean, tasks, adulting, I noticed I was being spread really thin. And I was trying to do it all for so many reasons. I needed to really do some work on myself first before even talking about this with other people to see why do I feel like I have to do it all? Like each of those words is intentional. Why am I the only one being placed with the responsibility and pressure of doing all the things? That's really the core of that piece and one of the many inspirations to why I created I Own My Magic Self-Talk for Black Women. Oh, Michelle is <laughs> okay. already speaking to our spirits. Yes. I'm already like, mm-hmm. oh, yes. What work do I need to do on me? Okay. I love that, too, because I feel like so many Black women, especially, like, that's a message that's communicated to us, whether it's verbally or whether it's something we see our elders do growing up, where it's like, they do everything for everyone else, and then their cup is not full, right? So we're going to dive in a bit deeper into this. But Michelle, can you talk a bit about your origin story and what was your journey to becoming a licensed clinical social worker? So first of all, I love social work as a profession, as a movement, as a culture. And I learned about social work formally in my senior year of undergrad. I actually, I I feel very passionate about the social injustice and public health issue that is intimate partner violence and domestic violence still to this day. And I took a class on that in school. And the professor was getting her advanced degree in social work. And she introduced me to the education of it because I didn't know. I liked helping people on the fly. I loved going with my mom, being her shadow, like volunteer experiences. I loved interning. I didn't know you could do social work as a profession in that stage of my life. So when I learned about it, especially how exciting it was for me to learn how to ethically and professionally help people, I was like, oh, this is for me. I applied to grad schools and I literally went from one institution to the next. I graduated from Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, and then took my tail to Loyola University of Chicago to get my master's in social work. And education experiences, I mean, we could spend a whole episode on that, right? Listen, but I really enjoyed my grad school experience, especially because I was, I felt like I belonged the things I was learning, my classes, I felt I had a lot of energy to put into my coursework and my field training. And that literally led me down this path of being a clinical social worker. And and I know, I just want to say that's a privilege to know what you want to do. So, because at the time it was a very traditional, linear, educational and professional experience. Again, that doesn't make it right. It's just my experience. 
it was a wonderful one. I'm so glad I had that and that I had the opportunity to be exposed to social work as a profession because I really, really love what I do. And now a word from our sponsor. Hey, lady, is something preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, as a licensed psychologist who has her own therapist, I know the strength it takes to decide to start your therapy journey and how frustrating it is when you cannot find a good therapist match. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. They will assess your needs and match you with a licensed therapist who you can begin communicating with in under 48 hours. This is a confidential and convenient online experience where you can connect with your therapist via message, phone, or video. Start your therapy journey today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com cultivating. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash cultivating. Thank you so much, Michelle, for sharing that, because I do think that there's so many of us who spend time trying to figure out what it is that we love. And one of the things that's standing out to me is how much you love what you do and coupling that with going back to our quote of the day, right? And at what point did you say, okay, I love what I do. I'm taking on all the things. And before I can continue to help others, I need to look at what I'm, what's going on with me. At what point did that happen? And what did that really look like? Because it's not always an easy, an easy road. I actually shared this particular story in my second book, which I self-published called The Self-Care Investment. In my first year of working full-time as a social worker, my position was a children's counselor at a domestic violence agency. That's a lot. I mean, that experience alone was so powerful for me as the foundation of my professional career. I, again, I loved what I did. And so did the people around me. So I really want to emphasize culture and community when it comes to doing all the things. Y'all, I was showing up to work early. I was staying late. I was skipping lunch. I would literally pick up fast food on the way home. And I lived in Chicago at the time, didn't have a car. So a lot of walking, a lot of public transportation. So I would literally pick up fast food, grub it down, like eat it quickly, go straight to sleep, wake up, do it all over again. All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone, not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans, and it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, 
Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black stories, Black truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the Rich Black Auntie. It was good. Now, you know, Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. My personal life and professional life were were becoming merged where there wasn't a difference. And some of that, there's a lot of joy in it. I love the folks that I was working with. We had so much in common and we were spending a lot of time together, right? Because a lot of us, not everyone, but a lot of us in our professional roles, that's where we're spending most of our time, right? If you really were to write it down. So, but again, a lot of this was being merged. A boundary. What's a boundary? At this time, I didn't have boundaries between really my personal and professional work. Mentally, I would be taking my work home, thinking of the next thing to do. How can I help these kids? How can I help these parents? Constantly. I'm even getting tired talking about it. Like my throat is getting dry just remembering what that experience was like. And the first six months of me working as a professional social worker in a very high-paced, fast-paced, high-crisis job, I was perpetually sick. Like I had a cold that lingered from maybe my first day, the first six months that I never went to go get checked out at the time. Didn't go to the doctor. I wasn't feeding myself properly in fast food constantly. If I was eating, it wasn't nourishing foods. I wasn't hydrating myself, wasn't taking breaks and wasn't sleeping properly. And I didn't realize with myself how the change of working full time is different than being a student and working part time. And again, that's not something that was like formally taught to me. There wasn't a training for that. It was a big transition. And I was working during the day, during the night. I mean, y'all definitely see what I'm talking about here. So my aha moment did not come from myself. It came from one of the child clients I was working with. I was in, yes, I was in session with a child. This child had to have been less than 10 years old. This child noticed how I was presenting because I didn't notice. Again, we're going to talk about self-awareness. And this child stopped what we were doing, looked at me, 
and asked, Miss Michelle, are you okay? Wow. When I tell you I I froze. Yeah. Because and I always get goosebumps remembering this. I get goosebumps right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. I froze. Cause and and I didn't immediately give myself compassion. Mm-hmm. I felt guilty and ashamed. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm presenting so unwell to this child. Now I'm a distraction to their healing. They got enough going on. But that moment meant so much to me because I was, I was, I was sick. Again, sneezing, coughing. My I had dark circles under my eyes. My eyes were red. I mean, so much happens in the eye area. Okay, you know something's going on with somebody's eyes ain't looking like they usually do. Okay, so. I, I was showing up ill, unwell, and not rested. And this child was concerned about me because that child is a wonderful human being and cares. And, but I told y'all, the first thing I felt was guilt and shame. So there was a lot that I needed to process to really make self-care a part of my life. That was just an aha moment for me because I didn't know how I was showing up. I had all kinds of narratives related to, I just need to be in service of others. And this was just my, the big moment. I have had little moments like that my whole life of being of service to others. So that was the big turning point where I really started my self-care journey. That is so deep. And there's so much that we can unpack there. I will say what stood out to me was, you all have probably heard the quote, right? It's something like, when you, you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life, right? And it reminds me of that. But it also, one thing that really stood out to me when you told the story is that sometimes when you put everyone first and you're diving into service, it doesn't necessarily always feel bad when you're like, not filling your cup because you get so much fulfillment from it. And you're like, I come home, I'm doing the work, I'm making an impact. Oh my gosh, I'm doing it. And then you're like, this child is noticing this. And you know, you didn't have the awareness then to, I guess, to know how you were showing up. But I guess my question for you would be, you know, for those women that are showing up in that way, and maybe they don't have that client that they're working with that's going to point it out to them. What are some of the questions they can ask or how can they become more self-aware to understand how they're showing up? Because you can still be making an impact and doing great things in the world, but simultaneously be spent, right? Absolutely. I literally walk through this in I Own My Magic in the section where I'm talking about releasing your superwoman cape, right? There's, I mean, there's a whole lot there. I, I couldn't help myself. I just had to that's right, jam-pack everything. But in that section, to answer your question very directly, I have folks, especially Black women, I have them reflect for a second because in I Own My Magic, you'll find in each chapter, there's invitations for you to self-reflect and develop your self-awareness. Because again, part of the self-care practice for many Black women is just taking time to notice what's going on with you for once. Again, we're stretched and pulled and so much pressure is put on us to do for others and be there for others that this book is really just focusing on how can we create space for you. So in that chapter, releasing your superwoman cape, I ask you to reflect on your different roles. And when I say roles, I mean, what are the different titles? Some would say labels that you focus on that you hold space with. For me, like I've talked about, I'm a social worker. I'm a new mom. My, my child will be six months in just a couple weeks. My goodness, he's growing up so fast. I'm a wife. I'm a black woman. I'm an eldest child and eldest sister. You know, I'm a friend. 
right? I'm a member of a sorority. The list goes on and on. What I ask folks to do is to look at those roles and then I want you to reflect on those roles. Which roles are giving you a lot of energy right now? You're excited about. When you hear about this role, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. And then which roles are feeling a little bit stressful? They're taking a lot of energy from you. They feel exhausting for you. That's one of the first ways we can really get to know ourselves and our needs. And and again, there's many ways, okay? But that's one of my favorites is look at your roles and how do you feel about those different roles? Where is your energy going? I like to even take it a step further and be like, which roles are taking up the most time? I want you to examine that part of your life the most. Is it your professional roles, the titles that you hold, the ones you signed up for and the ones that you didn't? Come on now, right? Is it your role with your family, the family you're born into or the family you create or the family you found, right? Is there a lot of energy being there, right? Again, there's so many ways to explore that, but I strongly recommend that way. I love that. I, you know, I think that 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 reflection, that level of reflection is so eye opening. Like even as you were talking, I was like, I did. I was going through it in my mind. Right. And I was like, oh, oh, this is this is a lot coming up here. Okay, And so. Michelle, tell us about what that was like for you to do that assessment. Right. Because here you are, you have this child who points out, Miss Michelle, you're not taking care of yourself. And then you have to reflect on your own. So where did the shift occur? Tell us what what that's like. Because a lot of us avoid that reflection because it'll bring up some things that some decision points that might not feel good. And so can you tell us what what that was like for you? Yeah. And, and you you are so right about that, that that avoidance, that disconnect from wanting to learn more about this is, I hate to use this word, but it's perfectly normal. A lot of us want to avoid hard things. A lot of us want to avoid challenging things. That part in itself is very normal. What's important is to really discover why you would be doing it. Intentionality is so important when it comes to a self-care practice. To just randomly be practicing self-care, that's not bad, that's not bad either. But intentionality makes the most effective self-care practice. So if you find yourself avoiding that, my first piece is just ask yourself, what's coming up for me? Why do I want to avoid it? What exactly am I trying to avoid? And even this question, what are you afraid of? Because for me, I was afraid that I'm not going to be as good as my job if I'm not showing up in this exact same way. And once we understand some of those myths or some of those narratives, we can then rewrite them to better fit our needs. So what I learned, and this took a while, this is another really big piece I haven't seen anybody yet just develop the self-awareness overnight. Like, I haven't seen it. Maybe it exists. I don't know. But it took me a lot of time, a few months. And it took me asking for help and receiving help from people I trusted. So at the time, and again, this I want to just 
recognize this was a privileged experience for me, but my supervisor was a great person I could talk to. I also started my mental health journey around this time as well. This is when I sought out my first therapist. And, and again, when I'm saying these pieces, I know people are going, well, Michelle, what you mean? I got to do all that. Intentionality, right? Do you need help with this area of your life? Okay, who are the people who could help you with it? Because I needed help. I didn't know what to do. I needed to do some self-discovery work, which was really, really hard for me. But man, was it worth it. It was. All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month. And it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone, not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans. And it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black Stories, Black Truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the Rich Black Auntie. It was good. Now, you know, Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's worth really doing that work. So ask yourself what you're avoiding. Like, write it down. Write it down. Some kind of way of recording it is so helpful for our mind and body connection. 
right? And then if you can, if you have a little bit of that courage, ask yourself, what are you afraid of? Because again, when I sat with that question, I was afraid I wouldn't show up as the most caring, passionate social worker. And then I realized that was a myth. That was a myth. I can be caring and supportive and take care of myself. Not a but, not a or, and. Now, Michelle, I have to ask you, when you began to take care of yourself and fill your cup, how did you show up at work and how did people receive you after you made that change? Man, oh man, there was some ups and some downs. Let me be completely (laughs) transparent because when I learned how to, right, when I learned to start taking care of myself, meaning, and I'm talking the basics, trying my best to get enough sleep, eating nourishing foods, hydrating myself, and beginning to have a Michelle life and a professional life. It was a big change for people around me. Mm. And that's what you make, right? That's what you notice because if self-care is the body, boundaries are the outfit. We need our boundaries to help take care of ourselves. Practicing, setting, and maintaining boundaries is a self-care practice. So I needed to have some boundaries and I know I'm talking to somebody. I needed to start saying no. No, I'm not available for that. Come on now. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not available to that. No, I can't see that person. No, I'm not available for an additional late night shift. No, I, I can't just let my vacation go. I need to take it. That was the beginning of my journey, meeting my basic needs and beginning to develop boundaries so that I could actually have a life separate from work. That was the beginning. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I love it. I love it. All right. So now we're going to dig in a little more. And while I know that lots of our listeners are going to benefit from this, I want to talk about therapists, right? So you're a therapist. I'm a therapist. We've interviewed multiple therapists on the podcast. And what you're speaking about is a common experience in this work that we do, right? Of wanting to make sure that we're showing up for for our clients and we're showing up for our community. And so oftentimes that is, like you said, what leads us to thinking that we're that we have to say yes to everything, right? Mm-hmm. What is something that you wished therapists, particularly those who are coming right out of school, because again, that's not something that we talk about in school. What is something that you wished more early career therapists did to take care of themselves? Man, there are so many answers floating in my mind. Because the first thing I'm just going to say, the first thing that I thought of was finances. Oh, because I can't tell Mm -hmm. you how many of people come out of school and this is for therapists and beyond. And there's and folks are so worried about scarcity, financial issues, paying down those loans and other financial expenses that a lot of folks do not practice self-care and experience burnout because of that. I wish that somebody would have talked to us about finances. That's number one. But number two is, okay, when you're showing up for work and you're doing your job and you love your job, how can you love your job and have boundaries too? There's still a lot of myths. I know for myself, just in the lane of social work, mental health professions, helping professions, 
that, hey, oh, y'all not here to uh, earn money. You're here to help folks. I don't know where that voice came from, but it felt right. So that's I felt it. I felt it. I know the voice. Yep. Like, who said that? Everybody wants to be financially stable. What you mean? Okay. Okay. (laughs) And then number two, if you are taking time for yourself, that means you're selfish. That means you don't care. And again, I feel like even in the spaces I was learning, that narrative still existed. It was like hanging over like a dark cloud. And I'm like, I shouldn't be years into my career having to interrupt that. But here we are interrupting. (laughs) Yeah. That's so powerful. I have a question for you, Michelle. I I will say that from what you've shared and from my personal experience, it sounds like holding space for ourselves and having that me time is crucial, right? And one of the things that I thought about, or one of the things you mentioned is intentional self-care. And I've been reflecting on like the nail shot, right? The nail shot for me is always like, oh, I'm going to go do self-care. But it isn't really self-care in the way that I envision it because sometimes it's a little anxiety inducing. I'm watching to make sure they're not, you know, pricking me and poking me. And it's like, it's, yes. it's a good, it's something that I like to do to treat myself, but I wouldn't necessarily compare it to like a massage, right? So when you talk about intentional self-care, what does that look like and how can someone find their, their self-care practice when, you know, some people try to like recommend self-care and you're like, well, that's not really for me. How can they explore and find things that do meet their needs for self-care? Yes. Oh, so much wonderful stuff to unpack there. Let me first start by saying I'm not into self-care shaming. Like I've seen a lot of stuff on social media that's like, oh, getting a massage and getting your nails done is not self-care. And I was like, says who? Says who? There's nothing like having a fresh do, okay? Get your hair done by somebody you trust at a meaningful mm. time and price. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. So no self-care shaming. What I instead want to focus on is the definition of a self-care practice. So there's self-care. My definition of self-care is doing what you need to do to show up as your favorite version of yourself. And then if we kind of narrow that down a little bit, a self-care practice is identifying and addressing your needs on a regular and routine basis. So again, self-care, doing what you need to do to show up as your favorite version of yourself, right? There's a lot of things that could be included in that, but an actual practice of that is identifying and addressing your needs on a regular basis. Because if you are consistently, as much as you can, checking in on what you need, And then addressing those needs, again, it's a two-parter with that. Then you're doing that on a routine basis. Your self-care practice will be intentional, right? So I'm so glad you reflected on sometimes your experiences with getting your nails done. How I heard it feels a little stressful and anxiety-provoking, right? I heard that and I understood that perfectly. So That may not even be necessarily the self-care practice you need to feel calm and relaxed. Maybe it's fulfilling other needs. Maybe that needs to be done during a time where you know you don't have a lot of other stuff going on. Or maybe developing a relationship with a nail technician that you trust who maybe doesn't provoke and have those kind of feelings, right? We could go all day with that wonderful example that you shared. But it's about finding out what your needs are and addressing those needs on a regular basis. And when that is put together, it really is helpful because we're human beings. We have life transitions. We're dealing with changes. I mean, we don't even need to say the P word, okay, that we're living through globally. Okay. 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 
where, I mean, there's so much change that can happen. So you want to notice, how am I coping with these changes? How is, am I experiencing any life transitions? Do I need anything differently? I'll give a really quick example. Just being a new parent, I've had to shift my expectations for myself, like very significantly and really examine my relationship with my work and then the other parts of my life. And I am still a work in progress. I like say I'm almost a six month old parent. I'm doing a good job. You know, I'm hanging in there and taking it literally a moment at a time. That is beautiful. I appreciate that. And I love what you said starting out about like not shaming people's self-care practices because everybody really needs to step back and examine what works for them, for their unique situation, what works within their budget and all the things that are unique to each individual. And so, Michelle, what would be your top five affirmations from your book that really mean the most to you? And I know because your book is full of amazing affirmations, including our quote of the day. What your top five? I'll be honest. I don't even know if I can pick five. I think I need to, I'm going to focus on one. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. Because I want to really, this one is the one that means the most to me. This affirmation is, I am too important to not take care of myself. If I don't take care of myself, I cannot show up to do the things that I love to do. I have to like pause, put my hand over my heart, close my eyes because I'm talking directly to myself to remind myself, hey girl, you need to take care of yourself. You're too important. That particular affirmation, in addition to other affirmations in I Own My Magic, are for each reader to develop their own kind, patient, loving way of speaking to themselves. I invite folks, when an affirmation shows up in the book, usually after a chapter, chapter, after a chapter or a series of journal prompts, I invite you to say those words out loud. Now, honestly, I used to think affirmations were kind of corny. I did. I didn't get it at first. <laughs> Me too. Right? Me too. This, is, this is quite literally a safe space. It's okay to say that. And folks may think affirmations are still a little goofy now. That's okay. But affirmations are a way that we can talk to ourselves. It's an option. And I found when I started creating my own that they were way more useful to me. They were way more intentional and meaningful. So you are invited, again, to develop your own self-talk with some of the affirmations I share in the book and literally say them to yourself out loud. If you're, if you are not alone and you feel kind of silly, it's okay. You put, put your phone up to your ear and act like you're talking to somebody, but you need to hear yourself say the kind things, your body, your mind, your spirit needs to connect there. I love, love, love that. And Dom, I think we might have some new mantras for our upcoming season. So Michelle, yeah, be on the lookout, Michelle. We might be using some of these affirmations. Now, Michelle, we want to shift up the energy. Now, ladies, I will say I'm having some technical difficulties, so I'm going to do my best to transition into this new phase. So let me know if anything you know happens here, but let's go ahead and shift up the energy, Michelle. So because we recognize, appreciate, and celebrate the multifaceted woman, and we believe that it's okay to be bougie, classy, and ratchet, you can still be elegant and dance to strip club music if you so choose, okay? We want to invite you to the OU Blatchet segment. So do you take on the challenge? I take it on wholeheartedly. Yes, yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. All right. So now what we're going to do, Michelle, we are going to ask you three questions. We're going to share three sentence completions. And then we have three photos pulled up from your Instagram because we've been stalking you. And we want you to choose one photo and give us more context behind the photo that you choose. So the first question here is, what's the best piece of wisdom or advice you've ever received? The best piece of wisdom or advice I've ever seen has to do with relationships. That if you put energy into your relationship, if if you're in a relationship that's monogamous and has two partners, if you put energy into your relationship and so does your partner, that's the best recipe for love. It's the best advice I've ever received. I love it. I love it. So now I have four words for you. Twerk or two-step? Twerk. Hey, all right. Oh my God. Michelle's facial expression when she said it, she's like, oh yeah, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, we're we working yeah. over here. We're working. I love it. Now, Michelle, <laughs> what is the sexiest item you own? Ooh. <laughs> Perfume. Ooh. Oh my gosh. What kind? It's put us on. Ralph Lauren Romance. Yes, it's, I, I like just, that, that, one. that is such a sensual smell to me. Mm-hmm. Sexy. I like that. I like that one. That's a good one. So now we have three sentence completions. One question or topic I wished people asked me about more often is my locks. I wish people would ask me more about my hair. I'm so I have just celebrated my annual my first lock anniversary, and I love it. It is like the ultimate beauty and protective style. I wish I would have did this years ago. I wish more people would ask me about that. Well, Michelle, what would you want to tell us about your lock journey and your locks? They look good, by the way. You guys are amazing. (laughs) That it's just so much fun. And it's been a growing process. I actually started my lock journey shortly after I learned I was pregnant. So I feel like my locks and my baby are the same age. Like, oh my gosh, look at the growth of everyone. It's amazing. It's been so cool seeing my hair actually Kind of, it's like emerging together. They they're in a loving relationship and they're budding. It's it's so much fun to just go through the process. You got to go through the process though, you know, to appreciate the I journey. I love that. Yeah. Yes, I love right? that too. Oh my gosh. Okay. So our last sentence completion. What I love most about myself is my ability to be empathetic. I definitely identify as an empath and have, and that was part of another part of my self-care journey. And once I learned that about myself, I found that was another layer in me taking care of myself better. And I just, I appreciate that about myself a lot. So beautiful. I love it. I love it. Well, Michelle, we have one last phase of this conversation here. And basically what, what we want you to do is choose a number between one and three, and then we're going to show you a picture and we want you to provide more context about said picture. So, number three. Number three. That's a popular number. I love it. This is such a cute picture. So feel free to describe the picture because everyone won't be listening on Patreon. So feel okay. free to describe the picture and then give us context that we would not know by looking at this photo. This picture is a picture of me in the, in the height of the pandemic. My husband took this picture of me. I'm in a rose-colored dress with my eyes closed, but I'm giving like a smirk. And you can see trees and one of my pandemic plants behind me as I'm smiling. And I think I'm even in motion. I see my hand is still moving. So he caught, he caught the shot like mid-motion. 
this was my first time in the pandemic having a few of our family members over. And if you can recall, during that time in 2020, I mean, it was just, whew, it was really tense if you were going to have folks and, and spend time with folks. But we, we were like, let's mask up. Let's have the windows open. Let's have the doors open. We miss each other. We want to see each other. And I felt so happy on this day. I was like, I got to share this photo. It's also on September 1st, which was, uh, it, it is self-care awareness month. And so we love September for that. Oh. There's Yeah. So there's a lot of joy in this picture. I remember I was trying my best to take care of myself really well. And I was really proud of myself. So I feel like this, this picture just, it has all of that included. And I wanted to share it. Well, it's a beautiful photo. It yes. just exudes goodness. I love the, the expression on your face. It's just lovely. So, yes. Thank you. So, Michelle, we have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. We also are like, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, oh, there's a couple more topics that we could bring you on to talk about. Like, let's talk about how to how to help these empaths out here, fellow empaths, right? Yes. Let's dive more into developing your own affirmations. Listen, talk about your locks as well, because there are so many of us who might might be considering starting that journey. Right. So. Michelle, we have had such a good time with you today, and we know that our listeners are going to feel that as they are listening to this episode and they're going to want to know how can we connect with Michelle? Yes. I want to thank you both for for having me on. This is amazing. Thank you. We appreciate you. And so where can our listeners find you and support you and get their hands on a copy of your latest book? Absolutely. I'm on Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter at the same name at the G Michelle, and it's Michelle with two L's. You can find I Own My Magic literally anywhere where books are sold. That includes Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes and Noble. I heard a couple folks found it in TJ Maxx. I said absolutely yes to TJ Maxx. So I Own My Magic is available where books are sold. If you follow me on social media, it's the first link when you click the links in my bio. Thank you so much, Michelle. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Hey lady, it's Terry here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. I'm hosting a free podcasting masterclass where I'm going to teach you how to create your impactful podcast and how you can generate multiple streams of income. You can visit podcastwithterry.com to register for free. I hope to see you there. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website at cultivatingherspace.com and be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. What's meant for me will never miss me. I don't have to chase.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.